0: Ephesians four ten through twelve a says, "He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things, and He gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. One of these teachers and shepherds whom the Lord gave the church and greatly blessed him with an understanding of the scriptures at a critical point in church history is John Calvin. So who is John Calvin? What was his effect on the church during the Reformation? And why are his writings still beneficial for the church today? John Calvin was a French theologian and pastor born on July 10, 1509, in Nyon-Picardy, France. Calvin's father, who worked for the local bishop as a lay administrator, wanted him to become a priest and sent him to the University of Paris to be educated for the priesthood. His father then decided he wanted his son to be a lawyer and sent him to law schools of Orleans and Burgess from 1528 to 1531. After this, John Calvin returned to Paris where he wrote the inaugural speech for his friend Nicholas Cop, who had just become the president of the University of Paris. Calvin filled the speech with calls for evangelical reform, which was not received well by the university and royal authorities who forced Calvin and Cop to flee to Basel, Switzerland, It was here that Calvin deeply studied the scriptures, as well as reading the writings of of many of the early church fathers, including Irenaeus, Chrysostom, Ambrose, Hilary, and Augustine, and even some of the medieval theologians, such as Aquinas, Bernard, and Bonaventure. It It was also here that he wrote the first edition of his premier work, Institutes of the Christian Religion, In 1536, Guillaume Farrell asked John Calvin to come to Geneva to help him in reforming the church there. Calvin accepted and became a pastor in Geneva. Besides a three-year period in which he was exiled from Geneva, Calvin spent the rest of his life in the city, preaching, performing his pastoral duties, attending councils and conferences to further the Reformation, and working on his writings, including his Bible commentaries, the bondage and liberation of the will, Treatises against the Anabaptists, and uh, the necessity of reforming the church, and further editions of his Institutes of the Christian Religion. John Calvin was one of the most important figures of the Reformation. His Institutes of the Christian Religion was, quote, the first systemic theological treatise of the new reform movement. But it is in one of Calvin's lesser known writings that he specifically discusses the reformation of the Roman Catholic Church. In Calvin's treatise, In Calvin's treatise, The Necessity of Reforming the Church, Calvin states his primary disagreements with Rome as worship, salvation, sacraments, and church government. On the subject of worship, Calvin attacks the new methods of worship that Rome had introduced, saying, I know how difficult it is to persuade the world that God disapproves of all modes of worship, not expressly sanctioned by his word. The opposite persuasion which cleaves to them being seated, as it were, in their very bones and marrow, is that whatever they do has in itself a sufficient sanction, provided it exhibits some kind of zeal for the honor of God. But since God not only regards as fruitless, but also plainly abominates whatever we undertake from zeal to his worship, if at variance with his command, what do we gain by a contrary course? The words of God are clear and distinct, Obedience is better than sacrifice. End quote. For the French reformer, the corruption of worship by Rome required reformation. Quote, since God, in many passages, forbids any new worship unsanctioned by his word, since he declares that he is grievously offended with the presumption which inverts such worship and threatens it with severe punishment, it is clear that the reformation which we have introduced was demanded by strong necessity. End quote. The next point which Calvin expresses disagreement is the doctrine of salvation, specifically justification. Calvin states in his treatise, There is no point which is more keenly contested, none in which our adversaries are more inveterate in their opposition than that of justification, namely as to whether we obtain it by faith or by works, end quote. Calvin insisted that justification was by faith alone, stating quote we maintain that of what description soever any man's works may be, he is regarded as righteous before God, simply on the footing imp- simply on the footing, imputing the righteousness of Christ to him as if it were his own End quote Calvin's third reason for the necessity of reformation is the sacraments he complains about the addition of sacraments uh, He complains about the additions of sacraments to the church, quote, ceremonies devised by men were placed in the same rank with the mysteries instituted by Christ. Even the true sacraments themselves have been corrupted by Rome, Calvin asserts, quote, the first thing we complain of here is that the people are entertained with showy ceremonies, while not a word is said of their significancy and truth. For there is no use in the sacraments unless the thing which the sign visibly represents is explained in accordance with the word of God, end quote. And, quote, while the sacraments while the sacrament ought to have been a means of raising pious minds to heaven, the sacred symbols of the supper were abused to an entirely different purpose, and men, contented with gazing upon them and worshiping them, never once thought of Christ, end quote. On the sacrament of baptism... Calvin criticized the tendency in both Roman Catholic and Anabaptist teachings to treat baptism as a work. In Calvin's mind, quote, The chief point of baptism is to receive it with this promise, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, as it says in Mark 16.16. The last point of disagreement listed in the necessity of reforming the church is church governance. Calvin criticizes the movement of bishops away from the biblical office of teaching to merely administrators, as well as the lack of regular preaching to churches. During the medieval period, preaching was very rare and only occurred when traveling preachers came to town. The Reformation reestablished regular preaching, as Calvin pointed out, saying, none of our churches is seen without the ordinary preaching of the word, To those who accused the Reformation of dividing the church, Calvin charged that it was in fact the papacy that had divided the church, arguing, quote, I deny that see to be apostolic, wherein naught is seen but a shocking apostasy. I deny him to be the vicar of Christ, who in furiously persecuting the church, the gospel, demonstrates by his conduct that he is antichrist. I deny him to be the successor of Peter, who in doing his utmost to demolish every edifice that Peter built, and I deny him to be the head of the church, who, by his tyranny, lacerates and dismembers the church, after dissevering her from Christ, her true and only head. End quote. While Calvin and the other reformers agree on the main points uh, and the main points, namely Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone, there are points which Calvin disagrees with other reformers. One of these doctrines, which resulted in much disagreement, is communion. Lutheran, uh, Luther held that although the bread and wine did not become the body and blood of Christ, the body and blood of Christ was still physically joined uh, still physically joined to the signs, in and with the signs. He argued that this was possible because, quote, "Christ's divine nature so penetrates his human nature that he can be even physically omnipresent. Zwingli held a very different view. Michael Horton explains Zwingli's view this way quote, Since Christ's omnipresent uh, divinity is saving anyway, there is no need to be united to his flesh. In the supper, we remember the work of Jesus Christ, long for his return, and testify to the world that we belong to him. End quote. Calvin denies the pure memorialism of Zwingli, writing, quote, All the benefit which we would seek in the supper is annihilated. If Jesus Christ be not given to us as the substance and the foundation of all, and it would be extreme madness to recognize no communion of believers with the flesh and blood of the Lord. End quote. But his explanation of how this is possible differs substantially from Luther's. To paraphrase Michael Horton's explanation of Calvin's view, the church is not united with Christ by him descending bodily, but by the Holy Spirit uniting us with the ascended and glorified Christ. We are raised spiritually by the Holy Spirit and seated with Christ, as it says in Ephesians 2.6. Luther and Calvin also disagreed on their view of the first and second commandments, which Horton summarizes simply, quote, If the first commandment summons us to worship the correct God, the second, commandment, uh, the second commands us to worship this God correctly. Luther had collapsed the second into the first, which is of no small consequence in the difference between Lutheran and reformed interpretations of what is allowable in public worship, End quote. we have seen how influential Calvin was during the Reformation, but why are the sixteenth century why is the sixteenth century reformers and pastors writing still important for the church today first calvin's writing cal- Calvin's wrestlings with the devil's qua- taunt quote Are you alone, wise among men? End quote can help us be assured of our own standing. When we consider that the Roman Catholic Church has over a billion followers and claims to stand on 2,000 years of church history, we may be tempted to doubt our own position. Reading Calvin's struggle with this issue can help us to be reassured that our position is biblical. Also, understanding Calvin's arguments for the biblicalness of the Reformation can arm us to continue reforming Roman Catholicism. Secondly, we can learn from Calvin's exegesis. In our modern, rationalistic, post-enlightenment world, a lot is made of who the human authors of the scripture were, what languages they knew, and what events in theology they were aware of, etc. But in Calvin's mind, scripture fundamentally is, quote, not the word of the apostles, but of God himself, not a voice born on earth, but one descended from heaven. Scripture... Scripture is a sovereignly orchestrated story, not merely a record of historical events. By examining Calvin's exegesis, we can hopefully regain some of what has been lost in modern exegesis. Thirdly, in our own individualistic culture, it can be easy to undermine the importance of the church. The writings of Calvin can bring us back to the importance of the church. The importance of the church in Calvin's mind can be seen in the quotes. Since God provides that we should seek him within the church, if we withdraw from it, it is if we wish to, to go in search of light in some other place where it is impossible to find it. And quote. Christ will not be separated from his own body. Therefore, if we wish to enjoy him, we must be present with him in the church. Calvin was by no means perfect, and his theology disagrees at some points with ours. But he was a very gifted man by God, who God used powerfully at a pivotal point in the church for the church's benefit and that those and the benefits of his writing can still continue on to us today.